to Navigating the North. I am Daniel Plucker. You've probably heard my voice maybe once or twice before. I'm the executive producer of the Wendy's Big Show. Usually I'm waving in planes, breaking news with those guys every single day. Love working on that just crazy show with Leroy, Gary, and Sparky every day. Also do a podcast with two other producers here. Evan Heffelfinger, the associate producer of the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network, and Sam Schmitz. That's Hef, Sam, and Dan on The Fan. We come at you every weekend. And now I've decided to kind of go on my own, start my own podcast, fly solo. And that's what this is. This is Navigating the North. And like I said, I am your host, Daniel Plucker. Every single week, I'm going to be taking you through all of the action in the NFC North. And this week was a doozy. We had some quality games here. The Lions obviously got bombarded by the Packers, lost 42 to 21, a big day for Aaron Rodgers and for Aaron Jones, especially. We'll get into that a little bit. Talk a little bit about the Lions and Matt Patricia and how he continues to fail them as a head coach. We'll go over the Bears and Giants. The Bears eking one out over the Giants 17 to 13. And then that disastrous performance by the Vikings with Kirk Cousins tossing three interceptions. Like I said, my name's Dan Plucker. Glad to be with you today on this Tuesday evening. You're probably listening on a Wednesday, Thursday, maybe throughout the week. The purpose of this podcast is, well, I work at a Packers radio station here in Milwaukee, clearly, here at 105.7 FM, The Fan, and I am a huge Detroit Lions fan, so why not just go through all of them? Let's just talk about all the teams in the NFC North. I'll be with you every single week, like I said, and, you know, I am I'm I love doing it. It's just fun. I love being in front of a mic. I love talking to you. I love interacting with the fans here at 105.7 FM, thefan.com, and on the radio.com app. Let's get started with the Packers. And their blowout win over the Lions, because kudos to them. They look like they're the real deal. 42 to 21 win. Their second straight performance of putting up over 40 points. They're making NFL history with their offense. And it looks legit. Aaron Jones is solidifying himself as probably a top five running back in the NFL at this point. Devontae Adams, likely a top five wide receiver and Aaron Rodgers is playing like Vinton Aaron Rodgers for the second straight week, which is exactly what the Packers needed and what fans wanted to see so much so that some of them are getting so frustrated with how talented they are and wanting it, that success to translate to the postseason, which we have not seen according to some fans. I don't know. They've been to what four NFC championship games this decade. I'm not too worried about it. They have plenty of success. They success. They just have not, reached the Super Bowl up to this point since Aaron Rodgers first and only Super Bowl and if you look at it I think this team is one of the more talented teams especially in recent memory they look like they're the real deal and the question is are the Packers the kings of the NFC North and the NFC in general and the answer is yes I think to, at least for the NFC North, they look like the class of the North at this point. But when we come to the NFC in general, it's going to be close. There are a couple other teams out there. We got the Seahawks. You got to consider the Saints, I think, are still there. And this is going to be a huge matchup on Sunday while the Packers go to New Orleans to face them. I think another team you have to consider is probably the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know they've been on and off. They've lost a game actually to those Saints. I think that's another team that people have to consider. But overall, I think we're talking a top two, top three team here in the NFC overall. And maybe 
the top team overall. And it all starts with this guy, Aaron Jones, 75-yard touchdown run to start up the second half. As Aaron Jones breaks loose, Aaron Jones, he's headed for the end zone. And he's going to be in with a Packer touchdown. Oh, man, big momentum. Um, soon, soon, soon as I seen 33, you feel me, nice 3-3 come with the run. Uh, you know, I was just like, wow. Let's keep, let's feel me. It's our time to step on the gas and just keep it going and just snatch every confidence that they have. And, you know, after that play, that's the type of energy the offense gives us when we see big plays on the board. Let's hurry up and give them back the ball. So, Yeah, with that 42-21 to 21 finish, it's hard to remember that at one point the Lions were up 14-3 to 3 because the Packers, pretty much after that run, ran away with the game just in general. And Rashawn Gary spoke of it, and that was that highlight of Aaron Jones, a 75-yard touchdown brought to you by Fox. He had 18 carries, 168 yards, and three touchdowns in the game, along with four catches for 68 yards. And right now, Aaron Jones has proved to me that he should get a contract extension. And I have kind of been on the maybe not signing him side of things, especially coming into the year. But what we've seen from him him in these first two weeks and what he continues to show is that he is a top five running back in the NFL at this point. And there were question marks after they drafted A.J. Dillon and with Jamal Williams there for another year as well of how much touches he's actually going to get. But he touched the ball 22 times against the Lions on Sunday. I think you have to consider how much of a weapon this guy really is and an underrated weapon that is in this league. He does everything. He is the perfect running back. He is explosive, as we can see with that 75-yard touchdown. He can catch balls out of the backfield, and honestly, the Packers should implement that more into their offense, which so far they have. He can block. He's not the biggest back, but he can he can stand in somebody's way if he has to. I am 100% on the Packers need to re-sign Aaron Jones' train, even if it is a little bit of an overpay, because he's not at the Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook level I don't think he's I think he's a step right below that in that second tier I think there's a tier of the three four best running back in the running backs in the NFL that are in that give them the bank tier but Aaron Jones should be making probably 10 12 million dollars a year similar to what Joe Mixon is making with the Cincinnati Bengals and if he's not I don't think if the Packers aren't willing to pay that they're they're not going to keep him Because if he continues this offensive explosion that we've seen from him this year so far, he's going to demand that kind of money. And that's the kind of money they should give him. And speaking of Rashawn Gary, he was the guy that was just hyping up Aaron Jones at the end of that clip. He had a strong game. He had two two sacks, a, a sack and a half, two sacks himself. And it looks like he could take that extra step that so many fans have been waiting for this year. And I've been on the Rashawn Gary bandwagon since the day he was drafted. I mean, look through my tweet receipts. I'm at Dan on the fan. That's easy to remember. And if you scroll back a while, it was last year. It was actually, it was actually when he was drafted. I put out a tweet that kind of exploded everywhere about why this was a great pick by the Packers. Because I myself am also a Michigan fan and Rashawn Gary, a graduate. Well, not graduate, but uh, he was selected out of the Michigan Wolverines football program. And this guy has all the talent in the world. He really does. It's just 
he hasn't been able to produce so far really at the collegiate or NFL level. So to see him put together a strong game like he did on Sunday was very encouraging for not only myself, who has been touting his talent for the last year and a half, but also for the Packers, because if they add another man to that pass rush of Zadarius and Preston Smith, who Preston Smith has not had that great of a year so far, Rashawn Gary, if he can step up, man, this, this defense is going to be very tough to beat because pass rush and edge rushing are pretty much the number one part of any defense right now in the NFL, I think. Because it's all about limiting the amount of time a quarterback can hold on to the football in the pocket. Especially with guys like Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, all these dudes that are going deep on every single play or seemingly going deep and have these deep threats. If you can have guys that can stifle that with a pass rush, a strong pass rush like the Packers have the potential of having, it's going to be a huge boon for this defense. And let's get into one of those incredible receivers in the NFL. Like I was just speaking of Devonte Adams, who was sidelined because of an injury, but apparently this is a lingering injury. According to the Milwaukee journal Sentinel sounds like he's okay. He was kept on the sideline because of the big lead. The Packers had over the lions. Like I said, they won 42 to 21. You all know that at this point, the only other injury to report is Tyler Irvin, who is in concussion protocol. That's could be a quite a bit of a blow. They love using him as that gadget bat, a lot of motion back, a lot of motion with him as well. So coming up on Sunday night football, the Packers will play the Saints. And like I said, I think the Packers and Saints are the top two, two of the top three, four teams in the NFC right now. And this is going to be the first real test for the Packers. Sure, the Vikings, they were in Minnesota, but Minnesota has a piss poor secondary in terms of their cornerbacks. And they were without their best edge rusher in the game. And we just spoke of their importance. So. And then, of course, week two, the Lions are the Lions. They're the worst team in the NFL probably at this point. So now you go from playing those two weak teams to a team that is being touted as one of the best in the NFC with the Saints, who had a lackluster performance really on Monday Night Football against the Raiders last night and kind of dropped the ball on a game they likely should have won. Drew Brees looked old. Alvin Kamara didn't. He has strong legs. He he ran the ball all over the field, looked great. And the secondary was kind of torched for the Saints by Derek Carr. Derek Carr, he's not any sort of superior quarterback, but Derek Carr and the Darren Waller connection there in Las Vegas was deadly in that game. And it cost the Saints the victory. So the real question is what it's really going to boil down to is whether or not Michael Thomas plays because he missed this last week with a high ankle sprain and those usually take a while to recover from. But at this point, it sounds like he could play. The, the guy's a freak. He that yesterday was the first game he's ever missed with an injury. Not just in the NFL, but in his entire playing career, high school, collegiate NFL level, the first game that he's missed due to an injury which is stunning with his size and the amount of times that the football is thrown his way. The ironic thing is he got injured on a run play. He got rolled up on. So it wasn't even a play where he was holding the football. Michael Thomas 
is an elite talent and will cause problems for any secondary. And he makes Drew Brees look like he's still a top quarterback in the NFL, which he's not. So if they have Michael Thomas back, it's going to be a different story. But if if he doesn't play, I really like the Packers' chances of winning this one. It's going to be a tone setter for the NFC, probably for the rest of the year. And it's just going to be a huge game overall for the Packers. Now let's switch over to the Detroit Lions, the losing side of Sunday, and whose team I am a fan of, unfortunately. 42-21 defeat, a 21-point loss for the Lions in Week 2 against Green Bay. Does it get any worse for the Lions? I, I, I honestly don't think, other than you know finding a way to go 0-16 again, that the start of the season could get any worse. You lose... Two games to NFC North rivals in the Bears in week one where you allowed a 17-point comeback. And now you get your socks blown off by the Green Bay Packers in week two. Not only that, you had a double-digit lead in both games. Yeah, like I said, a lot of people forgot the Lions were winning at one point, 14-3. That comeback, I guess, comeback quote quote-unquote, by the Packers from a double-digit deficit becomes the fourth straight game that the Lions have blown a double-digit lead, according to the Elias Sports Bureau. And now the Lions have lost 11 straight games, and that's the most since they lost 19 in a row when they went 0-16. They look to be going down a similar path as that, even though they have the talent to be a much better team. They were injured in the secondary. We talked about that last week. You can go back to that podcast and listen to it if you missed it. But the cornerback room is hurt for the Lions. They lost both Desmond Trufant and Justin Coleman last in the in week one due to hamstring injuries. Neither played against the Packers, which is why Jeff Okuda was put on the Packers' number one wide receiver, whoever that may be, Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, MVS, after Devontae Adams went out with the injury. And Adams cooked him. I mean, if you looked at the video, every single play, Jeff Okuda was getting absolutely burned. He was their number three overall pick in last year's draft, in this year's draft, excuse me, in the 2020 draft. And he had a, a lot of welcome to the league moments in his very first NFL game. Cause he didn't play in week one, do a hamstring injury. And he faced Aaron Rodgers, who's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in his very first game as a Detroit lion in the NFL. That's worst case scenario for him and any other team and any other player who's a rookie who has to face Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams in his very first performance. Such a disaster. But hey, like I was saying, the Lions lost 19 in a row from 2007 to 2009, 11 straight now under head coach Matt Patricia. Here's what he had to say after the game when talking about all of these blown leads. Well, I mean, you know, obviously we're doing a good job starting fast. I think that's, um, you know, something that's happening for our team, and, and that's that's a good thing. Um, you know, I think we got to use that momentum, and we got to 
we got to keep it going, you know, certainly in a year that's a little bit unusual, but uh, that energy, that uh, focus, um, all of it, um, you know, it's it just got to come through for 60 minutes. You know, we can't, can't ride the wave of the game. You know, we can't go up and down and, and be, you know, uh, really high and then, you know, something happens and then go really low and then try to pick it back up and then something good happens and go really high again. And, you know, just the ebbs and flows of the game, we've got to ignore that. You know, we've got to stay consistent. We've got to um, not think about, um, you know, the end result before we get to the end result. We've got to think about that play at that moment and stay in that moment. And, um, you know, that's something we have to do. Yeah, that's all nice and dandy to say, but actually doing it is a different story. And when you come into this conversation and you say, well, at least we've started off great. Who gives a rat's ass? I'm sorry. Sure, you're starting hot. You're getting leads. You've led both games this year by double digits. That's great. And he's 100% right. You have to produce after that. But the thing is, it sounds like he's putting the onus of that on his players and not on himself. As the head coach of the Detroit Lions. No, Matt. Matt, Matt, Matt. You should be fired already. You should be long gone. You've won nine games in almost three years. This is on all of you. This is on you included, Matt Patricia. You have to be better. You have to call better plays on offense and on defense. You can't rely on a rookie cornerback to be on one-on-one coverage in man-to-man defense against Aaron Rodgers. He's going to pick on him all day, which is exactly what happened. Aaron Rodgers also said post-game that he knew that they were going to double Devontae Adams and it left guys open all over the field, and they continued to double the number one wide receiver, whether it was MVS or Alan Lazard, after Devontae Adams went out. Why? Play a zone defense. Play a zone defense. Figure something out where you can switch up things where Aaron Rodgers doesn't know what you're doing. He is too smart of a quarterback and is too talented of a quarterback for you to just throw out a ho-hum defense every play. And when it comes to the offensive side of the ball, in that first half, in that first drive, the first two drives, The Lions ran the ball left and right down the Packers' throat. And then they just completely went away from it. They started throwing the football every down. When Kenny Clark was out of the game. Why? It doesn't make any sense. If something is working, why do you completely stop doing it? And that's exactly what the the Lions did against the Packers on Sunday offensively. They went away from what works. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Just an incredibly infuriating loss for the second straight week for the Lions. Things don't look like they're going to be getting better from here. They go to Arizona next week. Then they host the Saints after that. Likely an 0-4 start for the Detroit Lions. Good news is there's hope that Kenny Galladay could be back for next week. They were without him this past Sunday. He's a huge part of the offense. He's Matthew Stafford's number one target. We'll see what happens from here, but I just I just don't have any hope in this team. I don't believe in their direction. I don't understand what they're doing. There's no there's no tangible evidence that things are getting better. And this is the third year in a row that that's true under Matt Patricia and under GM Bob Quinn. And I know a lot of you Packers fans that are listening to me are probably just giggling. 
And that's okay. It's what I've become used to as a Lions fan. It's an, an infuriating infatuation of a terrible football team. And that's just the case. Speaking of terrible football teams, we'll be talking about the Minnesota Vikings and that embarrassing loss to the Indianapolis Colts, along with the Bears squeezing out a win over the Giants on Sunday. We'll be right back with Navigating the North. I'm Dan Plucker. Well, uh, we're going to go back to work. We're going to evaluate everything that we've, we're doing, you know, in really all phases and, and uh, figure out what we're good at and, and let's start doing what we're good. Uh, right now, we're not very good at anything. And um, so we got we to gotta evaluate that. And that's kind of what we did this week defensively. We tried to, you know, I knew we had some young corners and, and some young guys in there. We had to try to settle it down for those guys. Um, so, and, and, you know, there was a couple of plays, you know, we, you know, the, the pass of the tight end was, uh, you know, we don't turn and look for the ball. We get a, a legal contact on one. We get a legal contact early in the game on third down because one of the young guys rerouted him at seven yards. You know, those are all, I hope, correctable mistakes. That might be the quote of the century from Mike Zimmer, the Minnesota Vikings head coach. Right now, we might not be good at anything. If there's one team that I don't envy right now as a Lions fan, it's Vikings fans. I I don't envy you at all. The Minnesota Vikings had such high hopes coming into this season. Sure, they they let a couple defensive pieces go. Sure, they traded Stephon Diggs. But expectations were still through the roof for this team. There was still hope that this team was going to be not only an NFC North contender, but also very similar to the team that made the NFC championship game a couple of years ago. That's the kind of expectations that this team has a playoff team, a team that's going to potentially fight and effort for a ring. Instead, they've gotten off to an 0 two start. They were blown out by their biggest arch rivals, the green Bay Packers, which the Packers are arch rivals to every team in the NFC North. And put on an absolute crap show against the Indianapolis Colts who are a good football team. Wouldn't say great football team. Kirk cousins was absolutely horrible. He threw three interceptions and was just launching the ball all over the field. He was awful. So now I think where, where we're all at is how much longer can you actually continue to keep hope in Kirk cousins and in doing so, the franchise who have invested so much money into him going forward. Because I don't think they really have much hope now. I mean, they got Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook. They just locked up Dalvin Cook, which is good. But their offensive line is poor. There's not a lot to look forward to in terms of their cornerback room. And they have holes all over the offense. There's no wide receiver two stepping up. Since Stefan Diggs, like I had just said, was traded. There's they have so many pieces that are missing. So many championship pieces that are missing. And now to make things to make matters worse for him, Anthony Barr is out for the season after he tore his pec muscle, who's their best linebacker. Things just continue to get more and more bleak for that team. And Jonathan Taylor ran all over them on Sunday. 
the rookie running back out of Wisconsin. So now in the two weeks that you have been playing in 2020, Minnesota Vikings, you gave up 370 yards of offense through the air by Aaron Rodgers and another 100-plus rushing yards to Jonathan Taylor in the second week. They are in big, big trouble. And the fact of the matter is, just like for the Lions, their schedule is not getting any easier going forward. Like, not even a little bit. They play the Titans next week. Thankfully, that's a home game for the Vikings. But again, I don't think they have any fans in that giant U.S. Bank Stadium. And the Titans are hot right now. Derrick Henry can beat you on the ground. And I would tell you, I'll tell you what, he's a better running back than Jonathan Taylor was and is, at least at this point. And Ryan Tannehill just threw three touchdowns this last week. And he looks like he could be potentially a great quarterback in this league for the second straight year. That's that I I don't expect a win from the Vikings on Sunday with that game. The week after, they play the Texans, and that's going to be an interesting matchup. Another 0-2 team, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. But the thing is, Deshaun Watson can beat you through the air or on the ground. And that's another that's that's gonna be a really interesting game. I'm looking forward to that one. Definitely not an easy one for the Vikings. The week after that. They play the Seahawks in Seattle. That's a loss. Seahawks, like I said earlier, are probably one of the top three teams in the NFC North. Russell Wilson is playing like an MVP, and if he does not get an MVP vote this year, it's going to be a travesty for his career. He deserves to probably have won one already, and he has not even received a gosh darn vote to this point. Tragic. The week after, they host the Falcons. Again, that's going to be a really interesting game. I love the Falcons' offense. I think they can beat you in so many ways. They've just, they, they, they didn't grab an onside kick on Sunday, and they lost to the Cowboys. And they find, they're like the Lions. They find ways to lose football games, the Falcons do. And I'll tell you what, they should have won on Sunday. And I think their offense with Julio Jones, Russell Gage, and Calvin Ridley, who's been huge this year, is just an incredible attack. I love their offensive weapons, and it stacks up very well against the Vikings' defense and especially their piss-poor cornerback room. It's going to be a very interesting game, and that might be the make-or-break moment for the Vikings this year. And then they go right back to playing the Packers again. That's their next five games. Titans, Texans, Seahawks, Falcons, Packers. How many games realistically do you think you can win out of those? Not many. It, it might be time for the Vikings to consider tearing this all down and getting some draft picks going forward. Maybe they can deal Kirk Cousins to some team that needs a quarterback. Denver might be calling. I don't know. I don't know. They got to figure something out because they don't really seem to have much of a future there with Kirk Cousins and the Vikings going forward. Now let's touch on the last team of the NFC North. And the team that's probably been the biggest surprise up until this point, and that's the Chicago Bears. And I know, I know they beat the Lions and they beat the Giants. Those are two not very good football teams. But the fact of the matter is they're off to a 2-0 start. And they're still piecing together this offense. Here's Mitch Trubisky putting things in perspective. It's good because we're a hungry team and we, we know what we're capable of to play four quarters. 
And when you play really well in the first half and put up 17 points and then put, don't put up any points in the second half, uh, I think that's a little frustrating. So there's just – we have a little higher expectation for what we're trying to do on offense this year. And um, But you have to be happy with the win. I mean, it, it takes special teams, offense, and defense. And uh, it, it was a great team win. So we battled through, and we're proud of that. But um, we still have a ways to go, and we know we can – there's definitely areas where we can continue to get better, and, and that's being more consistent and playing all four quarters, not just a, a second half last week and a first half this week. Yeah, well, they put four quarters together. Like he said, it was the second half last week where they came back from that huge deficit and beat the Lions in Detroit. And now they played really well in the first half of the week against the, of week two against the Giants, putting up 17 points on the board, but then not scoring in the second half. This Bears team shockingly does have potential. They have they have legit weapons. David Montgomery's a solid back. Tariq Cohen is a solid back. And then when we're talking wide receiving core, Allen Robinson is one of the most underrated players in football, and Anthony Miller is one of the biggest up-and-comers in the league. I really like what they have there, even with Mitch Trubisky as their quarterback, which, again, who really knows what we're going to get from him? He was a top-five pick for a reason. And I know it, it looks like a huge blunder, and it has their entire career of them skipping of the Bears skipping on Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, and it forever will be that. But can Mitch Trubisky potentially be a quarterback that you can put faith in to be like maybe a Jimmy Garoppolo if he has enough of a team around him? I think that's something that could be learned and could still could still happen. Because last year, Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't that phenomenal of a quarterback. He had a couple strong performances. But for the most part, it was that defense and the running back and the offensive line around him that made him look good. I mean, he threw seven passes in the NFC Championship game. I think we could see a similar thing with Mitch Trubisky at the quarterback at the helm in Chicago. And... I guess the question here is, based on what we've seen so far from the Bears, can we really think that they're a contender for the NFC North? They're they're tied for first right now with the Packers at the top of the division. But frankly, the answer to that is no. It's not. Because uh, like, like Trubisky said, at this point, they're lucky to be 2-0. They are. They, they played four quarters of, an, of two four-quarter games. And they've eked out wins both times and honestly probably could have or should have lost against the Giants. One, if Saquon Barkley didn't tear his ACL. And two, if Golden Tate didn't push off and get the offensive P.I. that cost them the game with zero time remaining, basically. And kudos to the Bears for actually being 2-0, though, because the point is good Teams find ways to win football games, and that's what the Bears have done so far. It hasn't been pretty, but they've gotten it done, and that's a fact. They have, they're 2-0. and They're undefeated up until this point. So whether we like to believe it or not, the Bears at this point could be considered a contender for the NFC North. It's not going to happen, though. I mean, the Giants have the worst offensive line in football. The Lions were hurt in the second half of that game, and... Once they get to facing the real players 
in the NFC and in the NFC North, I think it's going to be a different story. They play the Falcons this week. Again, an 0-2 team, but a team whose offense, who I spoke of with the Vikings, that I really like. And this might be one of the most underrated matchups of Week 3. It's going to be really fun to watch. The high-explosive offense of the Falcons meet that stonewall defense from the Bears and that defensive line rush of Khalil Mack and maybe Robert Quinn if he comes back healthy. So that's going to be just a really exciting game to watch. And the real question is, can Chicago's offense keep up? Because every single week, both weeks so far, the Falcons have put up big numbers and their receiving core has been very strong. I'm very high on the Falcons in case you haven't noticed. And it's unfortunate that they're 0-2 up until this point when they've had so much momentum at the end of last season with a strong record to finish the year and potentially going forward here into this season losing at least one game just by an inexcusable mistake of not picking up an onside kick against the Cowboys. So the Bears Falcons game is really going to show me if the Bears win like damn, we should probably consider this team as a contender. But until that point, I think the brakes need to be punched on that. That we 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 cannot think that the Bears are actually going to contend with the Packers because um, I just don't think it's the case. With that being said, the Packers and the Bears always play each other tough. And it's always a different story when you have two of the most historic franchises in the NFL facing off against each other. But for now, let's hold off on any Bears winning the NFC North predictions and all of that stuff that you may be seeing. And that's week two. Gone and over with an eighth of the football season, which is sad to think about. But thankfully, we still got 14 more weeks of regular season football to go. And that means at least 14 more episodes of Navigating the North. It's been fun to be with you guys. Be good, Milwaukee. I'm Dan Plucker. This has been Navigating the North. 